Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Mike Zani about the impacts of COVID on talent optimization in preparing for hybrid work in a post-COVID world. Mike Zani, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Uh, it's great to be here, John. Yeah, I'm super thrilled to have the opportunity to chat with you today. We're going to be talking about talent optimization generally, but we're also going to focus on talent optimization in a hybrid post-COVID world of work. Uh, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of shifting and pivoting and adapting that's occurred over this past 18 months. Uh, we know that right now employers are grappling with, you know, what do we do as we're starting perhaps to come out of the pandemic, people are getting vaccinations. You know, do we want people to come back to the office space? There's lots of dialogue and conversation around hybrid work generally. Um, and, and the reality is there's been just major shifts in the attitudes of the common worker in terms of what they think about virtual work and hybrid work and the, the flexibility and the, the and, and the reality is also that in the current labor market, people have choices. Um, and so if I want to attract and retain the best people, I'm going to have to think about all these different talent optimization components within a framework that's going to help our our organization be successful and attract and retain the best people. So that's what we'll be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Mike's bio with everybody. Mike Zanni is the author of The Science of Dream Teams, How Talent Optimization Can Drive Engagement, Productivity, and Happiness, and CEO of the Predictive Index. The Predictive Index is a talent optimization platform that uses over 60 years of proven science and software to help businesses design high-performing teams and cultures, make objective hiring decisions, and inspire greatness in people. It's 8,000 plus clients include organizations like Bain Capital, Blue Cross Blue Shield, DoorDash, Nissan, Omni Hotels, and many, many more. Zanny is also the co-founder and partner of Phoenix Strategy Investments, a private investment fund. An avid sailor, he was coach of the 1996 U.S. Olympic team. He holds a BS from Brown University and an MBA from Harvard Business School. What a wonderful and amazing background. Um, coaching an Olympic team. That's unique. I'm not sure I've ever had a guest on the podcast that can say that. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of background before we launch on in? No, just that I was probably a mistake admit to Harvard Business School. <laughs> and I, I appreciate them letting me in. Uh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I, you know, your background is, is tremendous. And, and uh, I, I also appreciate the humility. So that, that's, that's great. Um, okay. The, the cynical, the cynical view, I was a good sailor and I sold sailboats, you know, Oh, there you go. You know, so 
it, it, there was a little leap of faith they took. Yeah, well, very good. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me, let's start um, with defining some terms. So talent optimization, I suspect most people listening recognize and understand what that term is, but can you uh, explain that for us a little bit? And perhaps you can even do that within the context of the predictive index and what that does to help with uh, talent optimization. Yeah, I mean, talent optimization is a new discipline. So I like to describe it like this. So every CEO has a strategy, some strategies do some bad. Most have a financial plan one to five years to support that strategy. But tragically few actually have a talent plan. They don't have anything other than boxes in Excel says, I'm going to hire five people in Q1. And talent optimization is, is really about linking your business strategy to your, to your people plan so that it, you know, strategies do not execute themselves. People execute strategies. So world-class companies are optimizing their talent so that they can put world-class teams on the field to execute on their strategies. And this new discipline, the biggest competitor to it is, is doing things the old way you know, the old paradigm of unstructured interviewing off of resumes, which are, you know, the biggest piece of fiction in business and, and randomly assembling teams and in fact, managing people the way you yourself want to be managed, not the way they need to be managed. So that's, that's the, the, the discipline of talent optimization is how to link your business strategy, your people strategy. Yeah, well said. And like you said, it is an emerging area. Um, it, it relies heavily on predictive analytics and, um, you know, various HR analytics and HRIS systems, all of this, which is, you know, really emerged. I, it's, it's been growing uh, in, in building steam, you know, really for the, the past couple of decades, but certainly, you know, over the past decade, the last five years, you know, just the, the growth of change, the growth of innovation in this space has been tremendous. And we're just going to see more and more growth uh, in that direction. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's uh, another element that why people are, you know, our, our company is 66 years old. You know, you look at a lot of, you know, our, our behavioral analytic science is, is not current. People are more open to suggestion today than they were 20 years ago. I mean, Amazon, you know, suggests that you might like a pair of shoes. You're like, eh, in fact, I, I do. And, you know, Waze suggests a different way to drive home based on a traffic pattern and, and, you know, people who've done it, follow it blindly. My, my parents still don't, but most people do. So that this openness to suggestion, machine learning, and, you know, artificial intelligence is, you know, our Gen Zs, which are coming up now, are like, just follow ways. You know, I, I hear my kids tell my grandparents or their grandparents that they're like, just follow ways. It's right. So this openness to suggestion as it creeps into business that maybe some of these algorithms and processes and analytic systems are doing a better job than the, the bias, conscious and unconscious that humans have. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's right. There, and certainly there are biases that get embedded in AI and machine learning, and we have to be careful of that. Um, and, and there's been lots of conversation around that uh, as well. Uh, but the bottom line is, I, I think you're right. We're, we're more susceptible to um, persuasion and suggestion uh, and we kind of used to it in all aspects of our lives and we're used to and more used to analytics and there's just more computing power out there um, to help us do this better. Uh, and you're right also that this, I mean, this isn't brand new. This has been going on for a really long time. People have been doing um, talent 
optimization and performance metrics and, you know, all sorts of things regarding metrics for, for forever, but it, it's just, it's getting more um, sophisticated. Right. And, and what we're capable of doing now is, is just, you know, better than, than what it was before. And it just keep, keeps getting better and better and better, which is wonderful. And so that's, you know, why we want to, to tap into it. And to your point, you know, about so like the strategy piece, so many well, every organization, every CEO, every executive, they're going to have their strategies. I'm actually going through the process right now of, of updating kind of um, the, the rolling strategic plan, um, you know, uh, in, in one organization. And so everyone, you know, is used to kind of going through that. We have strategies for all different aspects of the business. Why don't we have more strategy around our talent? Um beyond you, like you said, the spreadsheet, like, why don't we do that? It, it seems like a no brainer. The human capital component within a business is, if not the most important aspect of the business is certainly up there as an important factor that needs to have attention paid to it. It's, it's 65% of the average company's cost on their income statement. So what, you know, the irony here is our sports teams are 25, 30 years ahead of us on this, that for years, they've been talking about their players as talent, you know, you know, as opposed to just, you know, an asset. And they, the two most important people on a, on a modern sports team is one, the coach that does the day-to-day, you know, who plays when, where, how, but the, the, the person who's in charge of, of, of talent operations, the person who's doing recruiting, um, it, it, it is so critical. And, you know, a lot's been said about Moneyball and sabermetrics as it as it's come into sport, but the, the sports teams are looking at these analytics, and and good businesses should actually look to them to say, what are they doing? How are they doing it? And what are those aspects of 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 what they do with their talent that can be brought back into the business side of things? Because they're kicking our butts on 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 talent plans. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought up Moneyball. That was going to be my next question because everything you're saying reminds me of the book that was made into the Brad Pitt movie um, that I believe was actually nominated for Best Picture, you know, like a decade ago. A really good movie. And it's incredible to think about how sports has tapped into this uh, and they're really ahead of the game in a lot of ways. you know, beyond the the corporate side of things. And it's interesting. I, I was watching some interviews recently. Um, it was like ESPN uh, spots, uh, not spots, but like interviews um, when, when Moneyball, the movie came out. And so it was being highlighted. And the, the author uh, of the book was talking, or, or actually uh, Billy Bean, the, the general manager, manager of the, of the A's, he was uh, talking about how he was trying to take you know, what was happening in corporate America and apply it into sports into how they ran their team and how they, they thought about talent. And I just think it's so ironic because yeah, he was doing that, but how many companies, how many businesses are actually doing that? Uh, well, he was, he was stealing from high finance. So yeah, he was, yeah. he was stealing analytic quants from the, from the economic world. So yes, the quants of wall street trying to eke out, you know, returns did do this before sport. But he brought it. He brought it to bear. So he hired a, an economist as yeah, the yeah. head of baseball operations, and and it, it's just it's it's really interesting. We had Billy Bean come to our first Optima conference, which was the first talent optimization conference. He was our keynote, and you know he's been doing it for twenty years. So if you look thirty years ago, 
scouts in baseball used to go to stadiums with a pad of paper and a pencil and a stopwatch and look for the five tools of baseball. This is running ability, fielding ability, throwing ability, hitting for power, and hitting for average. And if you had those five tools, which they sort of somewhat quantitatively, but mostly qualitatively measured, they'd say, hey, kid, you're going to be a star. And they only got it right five times out of 100. It was, it was atrocious. Those same scouts today never go to stadiums. They're, they're sitting in their basements with five screens around them, pouring through analytics in the minor leagues, as well as the college ranks and even the high school ranks to look for gems, potential gems. And they're looking for what's the probability that they're going to make it to the majors and at what cost? Because they, not everyone can be the Yankees or the LA Dodgers or the Red Sox. Most teams kind of look like the Brewers. I mean, most companies, where they can't pay the most, you just you open your wallet and say, hey, I'm going to outpay Goldman Sachs for this, uh, you know, director of finance, you're not going to get there. So you have to look for these gems and bringing these, these talent optimization skills, looking for emergent candidates, being willing to train, understanding their behavioral and cognitive, you know, profiles, um, understand the team dynamic of, of a team. What, Cause a, a team is not inherently good or bad. It just might be a good or bad fit for the work. So I, I use as an example, you get a team, uh, a senior team from a center of excellence hospital. Let's call it mass gen. Hospitals follow the Hippocratic oath, first do no harm. The promise is if you go to a hospital, they give you the right drug at the right time and the right dose. And inherently they become risk intolerant and they only, they get measured on outcomes. Hospital A has a 37% success rate with this cancer. Well, hospital C as a 12%. And you want to go to the hospital A with better, better outcomes. So if you're measured on outcomes and you take and you and you're risk averse, you know, you would be a horrible senior team to run a startup or a fast growth company like Uber. But like we took our senior team, which is like a, a fast growth company, you know, we're 225 people growing really fast. If we ran the hospital, all of a sudden it'd be like, gurneys and toe tags showing up and they're like what happened you go well we broke a process and we're trying to find it sorry and so it's it's like our team is good for running our company that hospital team's good for running their company and it, it it's amazing to me that people just randomly assemble squads of people groups of people departments and then they they smash them together and say hey you guys got to work together and they're like i don't like working with them um, so you really have to bring a new discipline to bear. That's why I keep referring to talent optimization as this discipline and a journey. Because when you start going on it, you know, it's 20 years later, you haven't tapped out. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. 
There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, and I, I just again the 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 connection here to the whole money ball thing I think is is awesome and a lot of fun to to think about and reflective of of the current state of things. Uh, I remember about a decade ago, it wasn't long after the movie came out. I remember doing I was doing a series of of presentations on I, I didn't call it talent optimization, but essentially it was a talent optimization conversation that I was doing um, in a couple different companies. And bringing up the Moneyball example and the amount of resistance um, to the idea uh, of applying what they were doing in sports back to the, the business, uh, I, I was actually a little bit shocked. I, I, I thought people would be more excited to explore and to think about, are they measuring the right things? How are they determining what they're going to measure? Uh, and then, you know, build, build uh, teams that, that can be high functioning teams around this talent um, that's compatible and complementary, and, and all these things. And, and there was a, a great deal of resistance. Now, I, I think that resistance has gone down uh, over the last decade for sure, uh, because of, of just what we already talked about, you know, in terms of the, the AI and the machine learning and the HR analytics. And, you know, there's just, it's become more sophisticated. People have grown into that a little bit more. Um, but there's still so much more room. And if you get outside of the big, companies in corporate America, and you're talking more about medium to small size organizations, a lot of them still aren't really doing much of anything in relation to um, HR analytics, performance analytics, and talent optimization. And so they're just kind of, man, they're just throwing spaghetti against the wall, throwing darts blind, hoping they stick. And then they're end up just wasting so much time and money on you know, uh, on people that don't work out with the team. And it's not because the person's not a good person or they're not capable, uh, but it just doesn't work. Like the, 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 the amalgamation of all the different people in the team, it's not something that's going to function. Well, let's think, let's think about, uh, you know, remote work. And then as we start going back to hybrid work, the companies that have embraced some form of talent optimization are, are really leagues ahead. And, and I say this in it, we just had a, a homecoming this summer. Uh, we called it a homecoming, which was our office reopening. And it was a little premature because of Delta virus. So, you know, but we all got together. And the amount of people that I had never met that we hired during the pandemic. And it was amazing. You're like, wow, you're a lot taller than I thought you were on Zoom. You had these conversations. So the people who you're hiring, you're onboarding, you're formulating teams without people actually getting to see each other. To, to, to feel their presence. The, the, the companies that have embraced some form of analytics, whether you consider it to be artificial intelligence or not, but to onboard people the way they need to be onboarded, to a, a, assign teams and mentorship and, and sort of onboarding uh, you know, buddies, that you, if, you, if you do this analytically, 
with using things like behavior, behavioral assessment, that you can, you can be so much further ahead. And, and now that we're entering this you know, great resignation, the companies that have done a good job, they're not having great resignations, they're having great retentions. And the delta between the, the haves and the have-nots in retention is, is not single digits. It's right. multiple tens of digits. You've got people with 40% churn and you have people with you know, 4% churn. Right. And it, it, is, it, it has a lot to do with those who are using best practices before the chaos. Yeah, yeah, very well said. And, and this really does lead us into, I guess, the rest of our where I want this conversation to go in our remaining time. And that is, what do we make of all of this? How do we do talent optimization, apply it more effectively as we get into this, you know, God willing, we get into this post COVID world where we get, you know, people get vaccinated, we get past, uh, we get past it. uh, We're not worried about the health concerns. People are coming back to work or there's a hybrid environment or maybe still virtual, but how do we deal with, talent optimization more effectively in this post-COVID world of work. Yeah. I mean, we're going to really have to trust our dashboards a lot more than we ever had before. And I, I make the, as a sailor, you, 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 you know, when you sail at night or in fog and you can't see, and this is the same with airplane, you have to practice using your instruments in the daylight. You don't, you, you don't turn on your radar for the first time in the fog or you're in a lot of trouble. So we have to be using our analytics dashboards about people because we are basically in a fog of sorts where people are in hybrid or remote work uh, or, or some variants thereof and, you know, reassembling, reorganizing companies when, when people can't easily get together, you have to be looking at these, at these dashboards. So people need, you know, really strong engagement systems, really strong performance, performance management systems really strong one-on-one relationship systems so that you can develop people and take them on their career development. Because when you do all of this right, when people feel like they know what good performance is, when they feel engaged, when they feel like you're investing in their career and, and, and they, they feel that career pathway and see that career pathway, when they feel that you as a manager modify yourself so you can get the most out of me, and you can do all of this with analytics, then you're not going to have that churn problem and you're going to build that affinity that most people try and do it the old way. And I, I want to, John, you brought up something interesting. 10 years ago, you said you were given the talk and people weren't ready. A lot of people get into human resources because they love people and they're good with people and they're, they, they're quick connectors. They are, are emotive, have empathy so now when you take those people who preferentially got to human resources and then say, hey, you analytics, this, this cold killer data, whoa, no, it's more than that. So I think it's, it's a, that's why the dashboards are so important. If you give those emotive people who really are good connectors really actionable data and they realize it, it doesn't, it's, not, it's not replacing their skill as a human, it's augmenting their skill, that that's they've got to see that win so that they can be like, you're right. I can't do it without these tools. I can't do my job as well. Cause I'm blind. It's and, and that's yeah. the fog analogy. Yeah. And, and, you know, th- there's going to be some amount of self-selection in and out 
around this new reality, right? For some people. And I can't help but think of, of the uh, coming back to Moneyball, the movie. Um, there's that scene towards the beginning of the movie where uh, Billy Bean has just hired the economist to come in and he keeps on turning to him, you know, for advice. And all the scouts are in the room and they're just like beyond themselves. They're so frustrated because they're going in this, like this analytics metrics uh, direction. And, and he, basically has to get rid of a whole bunch of the scouts <laughs> because they, they just weren't adaptable. They, they just were so stuck in, in the ways that they'd always used. Um, and I think at one point in the, in the movie, there's, there's a line, you know, baseball thinking is medieval, right? And so, yeah, in, in some cases in the HR world, we're going to have to get past that. Either people are going to have to learn to adapt um, and learn more and you learn how to utilize these dashboards and these metrics or, you know, we're going to, they're going to self-select out, um, retire, whatever. And it doesn't need to be that way though. Like if people can just learn to embrace it and utilize it, it will enhance all of our abilities to make better decisions. Uh, you know, really, really, uh, performance-based and, and uh, data-driven decisions. There, there was, um, there's a parallel that's happened in marketing. So in pre 2008, there was an old axiom in marketing that says, you know, half of my marketing budget works, half of it doesn't. I just don't know which. And marketing automation came along, HubSpot, Marketo, Pardot. And they basically did away with that axiom. We know about 85, 90% certainty, which part of our marketing spends are working because we can measure it. So the marketer who used to go to trade shows, you know, the archetypal you know, super good with people, extroverted, can stay on their feet all day at a three-day trade show and, 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 and shut the place down because they've got that sort of outward extroverted, you know, promoter energy. The marketer today who's optimizing those systems is more introverted, more data-driven, more analytical. You know, they, they're, they're more uh, objective in their approach to making decisions. And these two creatures... The, the trade show marketer and the analytics marketer are, are different people. So we evolved with marketing. We're going to have to also evolve with talent because as you bring in this talent and dashboards, that, that the, the art and science of what we do with human resources does change. And we have to be willing to embrace that change. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Well, Mike, it has been a real pleasure. Uh, I really appreciate all of your insights and wisdom that you shared with my audience today. Before we close, I want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about uh, your business, your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah. If, if, if you like talent optimization, the predictiveindex.com slash learn has a huge amount of content about talent optimization and even certification you know, along, along the road, you know, sort of advanced uh, certification, if you can get it. And, and it's all free content and it's, it's not gated. Um, And if you, if you want to know more about the book, uh, you know, the science of dream teams, uh, dreamteams.io is the website. You can read a sample chapter. You can take some assessments uh, and not be marketed to, and uh, you know, learn a little bit about some of the book club opportunities that are there. And um, you know, my, my last word on talent optimization, if you are an HR professional and you don't think your company has embraced talent optimization, you cannot rest. You have to whack your C-suite in the head with the two by four to get them to embrace this. This is the future and it starts with them.
and good luck. If you want to talk about it, I'm happy to help. I'll send you a two by four to, to go whack on with. <laughs> yeah, well, very good. Very good. Thank you, Mike. It has just been a pleasure. Uh, I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Mike and his team could do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.